Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to the month of July. Again, I'm pleased and thrilled and honored to be before you on tonight. I praise God for you and for our pastors. I certainly want to give a shout out to Elder Wilson. If you are not with us on Sunday, you need to go back and listen to that message. She indeed blessed us with a mighty word from God, built to last. And she talked about how important it is to have an intimate relationship with God. And we're going to try to build on that on tonight as we do part two, Be the Light. And the subtopic is, whatsoever he says, do it. Now, as we discussed last time, and as Elder Wilson talked about on Sunday, you know, there's going to be some rain. There's going to be a storm, particularly if you're being the light. When you are the light, you know, things tend to happen. I once heard someone say, you're either on your way into, in the middle of, or on your way out of a storm. Either way, storms do indeed abound. But whatever you want, you want to make sure that you put your hope and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me just lay the foundation on tonight. We'll read our scripture text. I will share with you a few observations from that text. I have three key takeaways that I'd like for you to have. And then after that, we'll wrap things up, okay? Our scripture text tonight is going to come from the book of John, chapter two. The main text is going to be chapter verses one through five. And then, but we're gonna also look at verses six through 11. Again, it's the book of John, chapter two, one through five. And then I'll read on six through 11. And it reads, and the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Jesus said unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. In verse five, his mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Now I'm going to read verses 6 through 11. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine unto now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. The first observation that I have from this text is one of overflow. If you go and look at verse six, and it talked about how there were six water pots of stone, I want to just paint a picture for you. These water pots were huge. Each pot could contain anywhere from 20 to 30 gallons. 
And so with Jesus taking these six pots and turning water to wine, we're talking about him having created anywhere from 120 to 180 gallons. And the takeaway here is that we serve a God of overflow. We serve a God of overflow. He can give you more than enough. Even when you're in a dry place, even when there's doubt, we serve a God of overflow. You're going to want to remember that. In Psalms 23, he says, my cup overflows. And so what a wonderful thing to know that we're connected to the God that overflows. The second takeaway or observation that I had here is that the best is yet to come. Now, they were in the middle of what they called an absolute crisis. And I'll talk about what that means in a minute. But they were in the midst of a crisis. They were in a time where they thought things perhaps maybe couldn't get worse. They were struggling with what to do next. And you mean to tell me that the best was really yet to come. So that tells me that faith isn't based on what you see. And so if you just if you're making your decisions or using your emotions based on what you see, you might be out of sync with God because the best was actually yet to come. He thought he put forth his best, but the best was yet to come. And I submit unto you tonight, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the best is yet to come. In Haggai, they say the latter shall be greater. And we're believing God for the latter to be greater. The third observation from this text that I'd like to mention is that this happened at a place where a covenant was seeking to be made. And, you know, men and women, when they get married, that's a covenant. And we, if we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe in all that he is and all that he was and all that he's because he's Alpha and Omega. We believe and stand on the solid rock, as Elder Wilson said to us, that we too have a covenant with him. And in that covenant, we understand that he wishes that above all things that we should prosper and be in good health. And so, again, those observations, the God of overflow, the God who's promised that the latter shall be greater. And it can even be greater and sweeter in the midst of what seems like a pandemic what seems like uh, less, it can also be a God who has an agreement or a covenant and who's made some wonderful promises and he's able to do it. He's able to fulfill everything he said he would do. If God be for us, he's more than the world against us. So now that we've talked about those observations, let's just go back and look at our text here. And so again, like I said, there's this marriage that's going on in Cana of Galilee. And there is a crisis. So you say, well, what is a crisis? A crisis is actually a time of intense difficulty. It's a time of trouble. Typically, it's a time where there is some type of adverse risk or danger that's on the horizon. Some synonyms for a crisis would be a catastrophe, a calamity or a cataclysm, even a disaster. A setback. It could even be hard times, hot water, or in dire straits. Now, uh, you may not be familiar enough with Jewish weddings. And so you may say, you know, I don't know that this necessarily was a crisis. And that's something that I want you to keep in mind. What might be a crisis to you may not be a crisis to somebody else. Because but because we serve a Lord who is able to understand all of our needs and wants. If you are going through a crisis, God is concerned about that thing. And so from a Jewish wedding perspective, here we are on the third day. 
The wedding was to last seven days. Seven days is just day three. And we're already running out. Whew. And, um, and, you know, the bridegroom would have been responsible for providing food and lodging and, you know, drinks and everything for all of the people. And some of the risks during that time might have been, you know, just tarnishing the reputation of the bridegroom or bringing shame, if you will, on the family and things of that nature. Again, it was his type of crisis. Some of us are experiencing a crisis on today. Our crisis might look different. And others might say, well, your crisis don't really seem like a crisis, but I submit unto you. God is concerned about those things that you are going through. If you are in the midst of a crisis, God is right there with you. He is Yahweh Shema. And not only that, he's using that crisis to bring you to your perfect end, to build that lasting relationship with you so that you too can say, I know that he is the Lord thy God. He is the one that provides. He is the one that heals. He is the one that will see to it. Now, so with this crisis going on, and, and let me just say this, when by the time you're in a crisis, you probably done tried most everything else. I'm pretty sure these people at this wedding had already called around, asked folks, y'all got any wine? Can y'all help me? I'm sure they've reached out and talked to almost everybody they can talk to. You know how it is when we're in a crisis, if we don't have enough to make a bill or if there's a gap or if I need a job, you know how we reach out to our connections, we do what we do. And sometimes that still ain't working out and we're still finding ourselves in the midst of a crisis. Well, when you are in the midst of that crisis, typically you're about ready to try some new things. And so when that does happen, what we want to do is we want to go back and do what Mary did. She said what her issue was to Jesus. She took it to the source. She took it to somebody who could do something about it. And she said unto him, they have no wine. And even though it didn't look like he was going to do something at that time, Believe you me, we, are, we have a God of action. We have a God that neither weakens or is weary. He doesn't faint. And so, so she took that message to him. And even though it didn't look like she, he was going to do something, she went one step further and she said to the servants, she said, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Now that was interesting for me because I hadn't looked at that part of this scripture this way before. And I thought to myself, how is it that Mary knew that Jesus could do something about this situation? A situation that she perhaps hadn't realized that somebody, one person, could do something about. Think about it. This was Jesus's first miracle. He hadn't performed a miracle yet. At least so it's, it's, there's not a miracle written in the Bible. They say this is one of the first that he had performed. And we know that when he performed some of the other miracles, like in John 2 and 11, when he healed two blind men and he sternly warned them and he said, see that no one knows it. But they went and spread it all over the country. And think about the woman at the well when he told her all that he knew about her. She went and told a whole city. So something that I want you to take away here is that Mary had faith and believed even she believed God for something she herself had not seen. She herself could not understand. She had not seen Jesus do a miracle. 
but she believed he could do something about her situation. She believed so fiercely that she said to the people who were working and helping him, whatever he said unto you, she said, do it. And I submit unto you on tonight, you might not have a situation, a situation that you really haven't seen God work on yet. COVID-19, I don't know if we've seen that yet. And we might have some areas in our lives but I believe that Mary was able to have this level of faith in God because she had been walking with God for 30 years. She was his mother. She had been observing him. She had been understanding his ways. She had been understanding how he does things. She probably had realized how he cares for the people of God. And so it wasn't, she didn't have this faith because of what he had done or because he had already done these miracles. She had this faith because she knew who Jesus was. She had been walking with him. She had a relationship with him, as Elder Wilson said. She knew him in a different way. She had encountered God. And when we encounter God, we don't always have to see the big manifestation to believe him. We just know him to be God. We just know him to be the one who can fix any and every situation. Mary had spent a lot of time with the word, with the light. She had spent a lot of time with the Lord Jesus Christ. And because she did, she was able to walk in that faith. So that is a takeaway. We have to spend time with God. It is important for us to have a relationship with God because when we get in the midst of crisis, sometimes we can make poor choices. But when we have a good walk with God, and we have a good, strong relationship. And when we have encountered him, as Elder Wilson said, then we're able to lean on that faith, even if it's not perfect faith, even if it's faith the size of a mustard seed, we're able to lean and stand on it. Jesus says in John 10 and 27, my sheep will hear my voice and I know them and they will follow me. And so what we know here is that to believe and stand on Jesus Christ is the first key takeaway, particularly if you're in a crisis. You can't go on what you think might work. If you're showing up in a crisis, you will be just like Mary. I don't care what he says, whatever he says, do, do it. And we need to keep that in mind, particularly as we're living in these dark days. We have to be listening for a word of instruction. We often hear our bishops say, if you're looking to be blessed, listen for an instruction. And if we're hearing the word of God, we want to have ourselves positioned and ready to do whatsoever God says do. And looking back at the rest of that text, again, she said, whatsoever he says do and do it. Wow, what a wonderful thing to be able to believe and do whatever somebody says. That takes some pretty good faith. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of trust that's there. And what that's saying is that we must remain steadfast on the word of God, regardless of what our eyes may see. You cannot believe what you see. You've got to believe the word of God. That is truth. God says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we've got to stand on the truth. He, Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. All things. How can all things be possible? Well, God is creator. He creates what he, what he wills, when he wills. He's not bound by time like us. God does what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants. 
But if we can believe, then all things are possible to us who believe upon him. And not only that, he says again, not, and sometimes I can hear you saying, you know, I, I believe, but sometimes I don't know. Because there was this man who said, I believe, but help my unbelief. But even with that saying, even if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we know that he's God. Then we want to stoke that and build on that. Pray that word, repeat that word, recite that word, chant that word. This is why the hymns are so important. I mean, you know, blessed assurance, leaning on the, we got to know that if we keep reciting this, it's almost like stoking a fire or pouring some lighter fluid on it so it can burn a little brighter, a little brighter, a little bigger, and we're able to get those things done. Now, this mustard seed is one to two millimeters in size, but we know that it can grow upwards to 20 or 30 feet, but it has to be watered. There is some nurturing that goes on. So when we talk about the importance of the number one thing, believe God, trust God, particularly in a crisis, trust God, believe God. The second takeaway that I'd have you to have is we must be sure to act on the word of God. Now, Mary said to them, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And I'm going to repeat that back to you and me. In these days, in these times, and especially in a crisis, whatsoever God says do, we need to do it. Now, we don't want to be, well, I won't be so hard on them. If we look at Luke 5 and 4, and we see that, you know, uh, Jesus, he had finished speaking and Simon had launched out into the deep and, you know, had let down his net. And Jesus came on the scene and Jesus said, and by the way, he was an expert fisherman. He thought he knew all there was to know about fishing. As a matter of fact, he had been toiling all night. And Jesus said unto him, he says, uh, now when he, and Jesus said, launch out into the deep. This is Luke 5, 4 through 6. And let down your nets for a drought. Now, Simon answered and said unto him, because this was the word, whatsoever he said unto you, do it. Simon said, "Mm, you know, we've been out here fishing all night, Lord. And, you know, we didn't catch nothing. I mean, like absolutely nothing, not one. Then he went on to say, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Back to what Mary said, whatsoever he said, do, even if it seems contrary. Even if you just tried it, I just tried that. I just did that. But if God is saying, try it again, it's something about at the word of Jesus. If you do whatsoever he saith do, miracles can come forth. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their nets started to break. Note the very sharp contrast in between the expert and unsuccessful fishermen. Many of us are experts in a lot of things. We're experts in getting jobs. We're experts in getting money. We're experts in getting degrees. We're experts in cooking. We're experts in all the things that we think we need because we think we know it. But what we find here is that this expert had been unsuccessful. So no matter how much expertise we may have, We've got to do whatsoever the Lord says, and we've got to make sure that we do it according to his word and at his word. Because if we don't, even all of our expertise could fail us. Isaiah 55 and 11 says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. 
and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. I'm saying to you, God is truth and there is no shadow of turning in him. And Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this means that we have to have faith in God and in the word of God. And we've got to walk with him and spend time in the word. Mary had spent a lot of years with him and she had gotten to the point that she can start believing him for things that she had never seen. That none of them had ever seen. She didn't have, she had no idea what he would do. All she knew is he could fix it. Fix it, Jesus. Fix it, Jesus. And sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you can have some dark spaces where you don't even know what to say. All you can do is just wave your hand and say, fix it, Jesus. Fix it, Jesus. Fix it, Jesus. And God will indeed meet you at your point of need. Now, while I'm saying that we need to make sure we act on the word of God, we have to be careful that we're not moving outside of what God says. This goes back to when we think we know so much. You know, like Saul in 1 Samuel 13 and 11, he, Samuel had told him what needed to be done. And Samuel was the man of God. So either, you know, you're hearing the word of God because you're reading it and God is making it come alive in your heart or your pastor or leaders are speaking the word of God and God makes it burn inside of your heart and you know God is talking to you. Saul had the instructions from God. Saul knew what he needed to do. Yet and still, because of the pressure of the people, and he said there were just so many people all around me, and you know, and the people were looking at me, and and I was afraid they were gonna, you know, break away from me, and you know, and he didn't want to be embarrassed, or maybe even he didn't want to appear vulnerable. So then he started moving when he shouldn't have been moving. He started doing things that he shouldn't have been doing. And I want to caution us that we have to be acting on the word of God. We can't be engaging in some foolishness based on what we think other folks might think about us or how other people might perceive us or how other people might think we should have done this or that or what they might say. You know, when we're serving the true and living Savior, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, and when we're in the midst of a dark space or we're in a crisis, we need a ready word from the Lord. We don't need a word from our friend. And we ain't trying to be worried about impressing everybody, but we're trying to stand on the word of God. And then the, the last little thing I want to caution us as far as acting on the word of God is, let's Let's not become impatient. You shall reap a harvest of blessings if you faint not. You know, sometimes we think things should happen in a certain timing and in a certain way. And when it doesn't, we start trying to help God out. You don't believe me? Go ask Sarah. She got an Ishmael as a result of it. No, we got to act on the word of God at thy word. Whatsoever that say, that's how we stay in line with God. As Elder Wilson said, we want to be built to last. And if you are truly letting your light shine, trust you and me, the enemy ain't going to like it. He's going to try and come and dim your light. So when it comes, you want to be ready. You want to understand that I have faith in Christ. I know that he's with me to do me good and not harm. And you have to have an ear to hear. What are you saying in this situation, Lord? How are you making this work for my good? But I got to be careful. I've got to listen because I got to move when you say move. I got to stop when you say stop. You are God's strategy. You gave strategy in the Old Testament and you're still giving strategy in the new. And we have to have, it, have an ear to hear what God is saying. So as we're acting on that word of God, we want to make sure that we're not moving before God says so. That we're not moving just because 
you know, we don't want people to say something if they repossess the car. We're not moving, trying to work things out on our own because, you know, we might be embarrassed if such and such happens. We know that when God takes one thing, he can give you double for the trouble. Ask Job. God, many times, it's really just perfecting us and building our character and testing, and if you will, our faith, if you will. The last piece about um, acting on the word of God is we have to come empty. We want to come as a child. Children come and they're so quick to believe. You know, when uh, Keith, my husband, established our uh, mental health agency way back in 2005, praise God, 15 years, the Lord is faithful. He um, he he come up with the name of it, uh, Ola, Our Little Angels. And something he did was he told the kids about it. And they started to speak it. And he would be going to work on the house and they'd say, Dad, are you going to Ola today? And even as an adult, as I heard them keep speaking, Ola, Ola, their faith, their belief that, Dad, if you said it, Dad, if you said you're going to have this business, Dad, if you said it's going to work out, it's going to work out. Like Bishop said, we have our Father. And if God has given us a word and if God is telling us it's going to work out, we got to keep rehearsing that and believe on it. So we want to make sure that we come empty and that we don't lean to our own understanding. There's one other example that I want to give you here. I'll share a personal experience about a dark time. And I, I know some of these dark feelings very well. Um, after Keith and I had had our first daughter, uh, we miscarried. And when we miscarried, it was a late miscarriage. For those of you who are familiar with this, I was maybe about 16 or 17 weeks. And so this child had totally formed. And when I miscarried, I had the child in my hand. I mean, I had the child in my hand and I told Keith, hey, we've miscarried. We've got to go to the doctor. It was a very challenging time for me. And I experienced everything that went along with a miscarriage. And after that miscarriage, maybe it was one or two years. I'm not certain how long, but it, I went wanting a child, desperately wanting a child, you know, seeking God for a child, trying to do everything that I knew to, to live right before God, but wanting this child. And, you know, after a long period of time, lo and behold, I realized I was pregnant again. I had missed my menstrual. And um, so I had this appointment with the doctor. And before I could get there, I was at work. I was keep rehearsing this with Keith the other day, telling him about it. Do you remember when? And I was at work. I was conducting a meeting. And all of a sudden, some of the same things started to happen all over again while I was at work. And, you know, I started to feel the fluids flowing and, you know, just tissue, the whole nine yards. And so I said to myself, mm, this is the same thing again. And, you know, because I had been through a dark space like that before, I thought I knew everything about this dark space. I thought based on what I saw, this ain't gonna work out. This ain't gonna turn out good. And, and, I, and I went forth and uh, I, I'll just skip to the end. I went to the doctor and the doctor was trying to ask me questions. And I was saying, look, I know all about this. I've been here, I've done this. I know what I saw. I don't need you to ask me questions. I just need you to make sure this is finished. And um, as he went in and performed his examination, he started to say to me, I see a heartbeat. I thought, wow, this, this is an incompetent doctor because I know the fluids I saw. I saw the tissue and all of that. So he must not know what he's doing. And he went on to say, no, no, I see a very healthy heartbeat. And then uh, he went on to 
I asked questions. Hey, what about the blood I saw? What about the tissue? What about this? And he says, I don't know. And he said to me, I was the believer, just trust God. I use that example because I, I want you to understand that sometimes we may have tried something one time and it didn't work out. And then as we try it again the second time, and it, it, might, it might seem like it ain't working out the second time too. And we might be extra discouraged if you understand what I'm saying. We, we might be so discouraged that we might almost struggle, struggle trying. I, I tell you that I walked out of that doctor's office and the doctor told me, well, you're still pregnant. And I said to him, so, so what now? Do I, do I just go home and wait for the miscarriage or, or what? And he just says, well, you just have to trust him. And I submit onto you on tonight. Sometimes when we're in a dark space, sometimes when we're going through a crisis, we have to trust God minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, holding on as best we can to the relationship that we have with God, knowing that all things do indeed worketh together for our good, trying as best we can to count it all joy, knowing that trials worketh patience and patience when it has its work, its perfect work, will establish us, all right? So we have to make sure that we come empty. Even if we think we know what's about to happen, we may not know. Because see, God is sometimes doing a new thing. Where he was yesterday may not necessarily be where he is right now. And so we wanna make sure that we come empty. Again, we wanna believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, stand on the solid rock, we want to also act on his word. And as we're acting on his word, we have to come empty because if we come with a preconceived notion, sometimes we, we can't hear him. When we come with a preconceived notion about what God is going to do, or if we already preempt the instruction saying, yeah, I laid, you know, I laid hands on my shoulder the other day and it didn't get healed. It ain't going to get healed this time. You know, I can hear Jesus saying that in his hometown that, you know, it was hard to do many great works because of sometimes that unbelief. So we have to trust God and come empty. Lord, however, whatever you want to do, you can do it with me. And I submit unto you as a result of that experience, it grew me in faith. I don't now walk by what I see, praise God. I walk by what I know the word of God says. And even in the midst of a storm, I can stand firm and strong and say, God, I know that you're working it out for my good. The third point that I want to make is that when we do, or in the midst of this, we want to make sure that we expect the unexpected. So, you know, that's why we really have to be empty. We really have to make sure we're listening to God because, you know, there was the woman who was in debt. And her sons were about to be sold. She was in debt. And what did God say to her? Go borrow some empty vessels. What? You tell a woman in debt to go borrow some empty vessels? Whew. You got to be ready. 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 Uh, Abraham, he wanted descendants and he had one son. What did God say to him? Give that son. I need you to give me that son. See, 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 God doesn't do things the way we do things. There was a man who had a whole lot of doubt because his son had been wallowing around. He was possessed by demons and whatnot. And God had even asked him, how long has he been like this? And this man who said, I believe, but help my unbelief. God said, you got to believe. 
See, God has a way of asking you for something that you may not think you even have. But he's wanting to make sure that we're empty because when we are now we're ready to receive what he's able to do and we can give him all the glory. I do have one more example. What about the woman who was uh, fixing a cake so that she and her son could die? What did he say? Fix me a cake first. Again, you, you, you got to expect the unexpected. You got to come empty. You, you cannot come with preconceived notions. You, you cannot come thinking like Naaman said, I thought, you know, the, the man of God was going to come up and do this and do that. And then my leprosy would be healed. No, 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 no. When you've been walking with God for a while, like Mary, you get to the point where you say, whatever he says do, I'm going to do it. Whatever he says do, even if it seems like a paradox or an oxymoron, whatever it is that he says do, I'm going to do it. You understand that my thoughts are not his thoughts, that my ways are not his ways. You know that I have not seen, neither have ear heard, and neither have it entered into the heart of man, the good things that God has prepared for those who love him. And if we can get a, a hold of this, if we can grasp what I'm saying on tonight, that you know we've got to break away from what we think we know. Because God says that when you're weak, that's when you're strong. He says, you know what, if you want to be exalted, humble yourself. And, and he goes on to say that if you want to be wise, you sometimes got to become a fool. So when we get ourselves really in line with God, and we're able to say whatsoever he saith do, whatsoever, then our light's gonna keep shining. Yeah, we will have some troubling times. Yes, there might be some times when we say, Lord, help my unbelief. But if we have faith, the size of a grain of a mustard seed, meaning, Lord, I know you're with me to do me good. And even as I have some issues in this area, I'm believing you to fix it. Even if I laugh, yeah, Sarah laughed a little bit, didn't she? Even so, God still counted it good. Even though Abraham said, Lord, won't you just let it be Ishmael? God said, no, 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 I, I got something else in mind. And so again, it's not that you always have to have perfect faith, but stand on what you do know. And if Christ is on the inside of you, you know more than you're giving yourself credit for. If you don't have Christ on the inside of you, he is no respecter of persons. He is happy to live on the inside of you. He is seeking you out right now and even tonight. And so we want to make sure, though, that we're spending time with him. Because see, like Mary, again, the disciples, I want to try that point home. The disciples hadn't been walking with him that long. But in verse 11, after he turned almost 200 gallons of water to wine, after the governor said, oh my goodness, you saved the best to last. After that, it was then in verse 11, it says, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed on him. They believed after what they saw. And I tell you, as we build our relationship and it's built to last and we're walking with God, after a while, I can believe him before he even get it done. Because he's already done so much for me. I know you've heard this saying. That if he doesn't do another thing, that I know he's able to do it. And, and I'm almost partly about to get the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego syndrome. And even if he don't do it, I'm going to still serve him. Because I know 
that he's working it out for my good. Don't be, we don't want to be like the young man who came to Jesus and said, hey, look at all that I've done. What more can I do that I may make it in? And Jesus says to him, go sell all that you have as a treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Sell all that you have, give it to the poor and so you can have treasure in heaven and follow me. Again, another expect the unexpected. This young man walked away and he says, wow, this is too much because he had great possessions. I challenge you on tonight. God's probably going to say some things that are going to sound different in the midst of these storms that we're having, in the midst of some of this darkness that we have. Don't walk away from it. Make sure you're hearing the word of God. That's the first thing. But then the second thing, whatsoever he says do, do it. It may be contradictory. It may be different. It may even be a bit outlandish. But if it is at the word of God, miracles happen. At the word of God, the extraordinary happens. At the word of God, there is overflow. At the word of God, there's a covenant that causes those miracles to happen. At the word of God, the latter can be greater than the beginning. In closing, I want to share with you this legend. And it was written by Charles R. Swindle. Living above the level of mediocrity or normal. Legend has it that a man was lost in the desert, just dying for a drink of water. He stumbled upon an old shack, a ramshackled, windowless, roofless, weather-beaten shack. He looked about this place and he found a little shade from the heat of the desert sun. And he glanced around and he saw a pump about 15 feet away, an old, rusty water pump. He stumbled over to it, grabbed the handle, and began to pump up and down, up and down, but nothing came out. Disappointed, he staggered back. He noticed off to the side of an old jug. He looked at it, wiped away the dirt and dust, and read a message that said, you have to prime the pump with all the water in this jug, my friend. P.S. Be sure you fill the jug again before you leave. He popped the cork out of the jug and sure enough, it was almost full of water. Suddenly, he was faced with a serious decision. If he drank the water, he could live at least just right now for that moment. Oh, but if he poured all the water into the old rusty pump, maybe it would yield cool, fresh water from deep down in the well. All that he wanted and enough to help him as he went on his way. He studied the possibility of both options. What should he do? Pour it into the old pump and take a chance on fresh, cool water or drink what was in the old jug and ignore its message? Should he waste all the water on the hopes of those flimsy instructions written so, so long ago? Reluctantly, he poured all the water into the pump. Then he grabbed the handle and he began to pump. Squeak, squeak, squeak. Still nothing came out. Squeak, squeak, squeak. A little bit began to dribble out, then a small stream, and finally it gushed. To his relief, fresh, cool water poured out of the rusty pump. Eagerly, he filled the jug and drank from it and drank from it again and again. It was indeed a refreshing content. Then he filled the jug for the next traveler. He filled it to the top. 
He popped the cork back on and added this little note. Believe me, it really works. You have to give it all away before you can get anything back. On tonight, having a relationship with Jesus, being built to last, standing on the solid rock, letting your light shine, it really works. I'm a witness. I don't know where I would be if it were not for the Lord Jesus Christ. If I want to find a miracle, I can look right at me. If he can save me, he can save anybody. If he can do exploits with me, he can do it with anybody. If he can allow me to have overflow, if he can make my ladder better than the former, he can do it for you. It really works. But we have to follow the instructions. We cannot go rogue and just do what we want to do because then we're going to miss him. So as we're letting our light shine and as we're dealing with these storms and dark spaces and as we deal with these challenges that are going to come, we want to make sure that we're listening for a word from the Lord. And when we hear what he says do, we want to make sure we are empty enough to do what he says, even if it sounds different from what we think. And we wanna give ourselves away, our whole self away. Uh, I, I think it's in the book of Romans where it says, I beseech you therefore brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. Joshua 1 and 8, another one of my favorite scriptures. This book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and night, that thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You want the secret to success? Meditate on the word of God. Spend time with the word of God. I tell you, it works. You pray my strength in the Lord.